You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the who the rich and the super duper successful. All right, so the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, if you feel like there's something out there that you're supposed to be doing, if you have a passion for it, then stop wishing and just do it. And that's from comedian Wanda Sykes, all right? The title of today's show is, Pursue Your Passions, Live Your Purpose. That's what we're put on this planet for, to pursue the things that we are passionate about and live out our purpose. We're not here just to be ordinary, average, just to work all the time. We're here to pursue what it is that we're passionate about and live in our purpose, all right? I want to thank you all for listening. want to remind you, if you want to go back and re-listen to this or any of the previous shows, all you have to do is go to my website, www.powerhh.com. If we're not friends on Facebook, my name on Facebook is Mark Starr, M-A-R-K-S. T-A-R-R, all right? On Instagram, it's at Coach Mark Speaks. I put out daily motivational and inspirational videos on Instagram and Facebook. So make sure you become friends with me so you can check out those videos every single day, all right? And for all my listeners in the United States, I have a daily message service that sends out a motivational or inspirational message every single morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. To get those messages, all you have to do is text the letters BBD to 411247. All right, we got an absolutely amazing show today. I know so many people are trying to figure out what their purpose is. They want to live their purpose. They want to pursue their passions, and today's show is going to help you. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one, Larry Flax and Rick Rosenfield, the founders of California Pizza Kitchen. Now, Rip grew up in a family of lawyers in Chicago, and after school, he ended up going to Washington, D.C. and working for the Department of Justice, handling cases in the U.S. Supreme Court and the U.S. Courts of Appeal. Larry grew up in Los Angeles where he studied law, and then in 1968, he joined the U.S. Attorney's Office in L.A. After a few years, Rick transferred to Los Angeles and began working there. Now, Rick and Larry became friends, and in 1971, the two buddies left their job to go into private practice together. Now, after a year, both lawyers would start their own firm and also become silent partners in a restaurant venture as they both liked to cook. They lost money in the venture, but the experience whetted their appetites for running a business. One day, a friend of theirs called them out and told them that they were both chicken, then he used the expletive and asked them if they were going to practice law their entire lives or are they going to do what they really want to do. Now at the time in 1984, their firm was lucrative, but they had become burned out because they were having to commute two and a half hours for a few months for a trial that they were working on. They had been thinking about leaving their practice, but after the trial that they were working on had a hung jury, that was it for Larry and Rick. They came back to Los Angeles and said, let's go into the restaurant business. They had absolutely no idea what they were doing, but they still went ahead and signed the lease in Beverly Hills. 
Both of the guys took out second mortgages on their houses and they borrowed $250,000 from the bank. When they needed more money, they put together a limited partnership. They called 23 friends and 22 of them said yes and they were able to raise another $300,000. Now at the time, California style pizza was just emerging. Wolfgang Puck had just opened his first restaurant called Spago and it was totally booked for weeks. Larry and Rick came up with the idea to bring the concept of Spago to the masses. They went and found the pizza cook from Spago and got him to consult for them. He created the original California pizza kitchen menu with things like rabbit sausage, pine nut, and grape leaf pizza. None of it sold. What did sell for them was the barbecue chicken pizza. They figured out taking items that people loved and putting it on pizza. The two founders then scrapped their old menu and created a new one. Larry and Rick said that they both were cautious and logical as they had to be being lawyers. They also said that if they had known what they know now, they would have never opened a restaurant. They said that sometimes you have to be blind to risk and just take it. Once you take the first step, you just keep going. Now, Rick stopped practicing law six months before they opened the restaurant, while Larry kept the practice going with intentions to wind it down once the restaurant started doing well, but once they opened the restaurant, they never got another client. From opening night, the business was a success. In their first year, they did close to $1.5 million in revenue, far exceeding their expectations. Although they were making a lot of money, without the law practice, they had to raise money and open more restaurants to pay themselves a salary. They converted the limited partners to stockholders in CPK Inc. And every time they'd open a new restaurant, they would sell more stock. By 1992, they had 25 restaurants and $55 million in annual revenue. In that same year, as Rick and Larry prepared to take the business public, Pepsi wanted to buy into casual dining and paid them $100 million for 67% of the company. Pepsi wanted them to build 50 new restaurants a year and this ended up being a bad move as they were putting restaurants in neighborhoods that didn't do well. In 1997, Pepsi decided to sell their restaurant division including California Pizza Kitchen. Larry and Rick stayed with the company, still owning one-third of the business. The two men served as co-CEOs and co-chairmen of the company until 2011 when the company was sold for $470 million. California Pizza Kitchen currently operates in 17 different countries and they have over 200 locations with over 14,000 employees. Let's now take a look at Rick and Larry's words of wisdom. Number one, they say, give respect, opportunity, communication, and kindness. They say if employees don't feel good, the company has absolutely no chance. Number two, the most vital decisions are made in the beginning. How you structure the company's finances determines how you can grow or how you will stall. Don't give investors too much or it could cripple you. And number three, guard your reputation. You can have a full house, but if you don't serve people quickly enough, they get mad and the word will spread. Profile number two, Charles Smith. Now, Charles is a 70-year-old Missouri runner who has competed in 70 marathons throughout her lifetime. Last year, she decided that she would take it to the next level, setting an even higher goal for herself. 
Chow decided that she would run seven marathons on seven continents and get this, seven days. And keep in mind that a marathon is 26.2 miles. Not only did she set this goal, she also accomplished it. Chow ran in Perth, Australia, Cairo, Egypt, Amsterdam, Singapore, New York, Chile, and King George Island in Antarctica. Chow would wake up, run the marathon, then board a plane to the next location. She's part of a travel group called Marathon Adventures, and she accomplished this feat with nine other members. They called the challenge the Triple Seven Quest. Chow used this challenge to celebrate her 70th birthday. Can you imagine this? This lady is 70 years old and ran seven marathons in seven days in seven different continents. Now, Chow trained for eight months to get ready for the challenge. She credits physical activity with keeping her healthy and happy. Every week, she would run 15 to 130 miles to prepare. Chow had her share of challenges along her journey. During her first race in Australia, the temperature was over 100 degrees and she became severely sunburned. Her next challenging race was in Cairo, Egypt. The group's connecting flight from Singapore was delayed in Abu Dhabi, so they arrived in Egypt with only a few minutes to change before heading to the race start. They had only 10 minutes to go to their room and Chow's key wasn't working for her room. She used up her 10 minutes just trying to get in her room. On top of that, Chow allotted herself seven hours to complete the race, but because of the delay, the organizer of the travel group told her that she would have to do it in six hours. Not thinking that Chow could do it, he suggested that she run a half marathon. She would finish the marathon in five hours and 51 minutes. From that day on, no one dared to ask her to run a half marathon ever again. Chow has lived a life full of adventure as this wasn't the first time that she took on an extreme physical undertaking. A year earlier, she ran a marathon in Tanzania and then hiked Mount Kilimanjaro the next day. Before the Triple Seven Challenge, Chow ran four marathons in five weeks. She traveled to Southeast Asia for a month and ran a marathon in Myanmar. Six days later, she ran a marathon in New Zealand and then a few days after that in Tanzania. Chow uses the running to help her feel better from all the stress she has in her life as she works 10 hours a day in her alteration and dry cleaning business in Missouri. Chow isn't done yet. She is planning to run the triple eight quest in the following year involving the microcontinent Zealandia. What an amazing 70 year old woman. Profile number three, Babek Hediati. Now in 1978, Babak left Tehran, Iran shortly before the Iranian revolution to live with his older brother in Santa Cruz, California. Babak felt that in Iran, there was a ceiling for everyone. In order to get ahead, you had to know people and you had to be connected to grow and get the good jobs in different companies as well as the good government jobs. So he saw America as the land of opportunity. He decided that he was going to come to America and learn and the doors of opportunities would open for him if he worked hard and participated in the right things. He felt he would have a chance to succeed. Now, during this time, Babak came up with a motto that he still lives by today. The motto is, there is no FUD, F-U-D, no fear, no uncertainty, and no doubt. He believes that fear, uncertainty, and doubt cause you to stop 
and prevents you from moving forward and it makes you hold back. He said that most people want to try new things, but fear, uncertainty, and doubt prevent them from trying these things. For Babek, the one thing he didn't have was FUD. He had no fear, no uncertainty, and no doubt. He decided that he would just move forward and find out what happens. He knew he would be okay and that he would always figure it out. Now, Babek would hear a lecture on marketing by Omid Kordistani, who was a fellow Iranian that was at one time the executive chairman at Twitter. Omid had a similar start as Babek as he came to the same part of America as he did at 14 years old from Iran after his father died. This lecture ignited his interest in marketing. This lecture helped him transition from wanting to be an entrepreneur that makes money to an innovator who solves problems. Babek would follow his passion to Harvard Business School. Babek saw an opportunity to streamline the data behind ad campaigns, so in 2009, he launched TapClicks, which is a customizable dashboard created to track real-time performance of ads. Babek figured that there was an explosion of a bunch of different types of sales and marketing technology companies, and someone needed to manage this. Someone would need to manage this, someone would need to manage its operations, analyze the results, and be able to report in it. He knew that if he was able to do this, he could provide a lot of value to advertising agencies, media companies, and enterprises. This is the problem that this company went out to solve and it worked. They had the right vision, the right experience, and the right people in the marketplace to solve it. Now, although many people may look at being an immigrant as a disadvantage to an entrepreneur, Babek viewed it as an advantage. He says that as an entrepreneur immigrant, the perspective that you have is from two different sources of great knowledge. So when you go to innovate, you can draw from the best of both worlds and try to solve a problem that exists in society or at a workplace. He says that the immigrant has an advantage because they are multicultural. Today, his company TapClick is a $150 million ad tracking business with 3,500 enterprise customers and yearly revenues of over $10 million per year. All right, many of us work extremely hard every day and when these hours start to add up and life begins to get difficult and unfulfilling, we tend to wonder why we are doing what it is that we are doing. Now, I challenge you to ask anyone that you know who is a hard worker why they work so hard, and I can bet that the majority of people that you ask will be stumped. Most people have no idea why they're doing what they do. Understanding why you're doing what you do is critical in enabling us to keep going when times get rough. Identifying your purpose is key to living a fulfilling life. When we are really clear about what motivates us and why we do what we do, then we don't have to worry about the past or the future. We don't need to second guess every decision that we make or obsess over various options or choices. Once we know our purpose, everything becomes simpler because every course of action is either taking us closer to that purpose or further away from it. When we know where we're going, it's much easier to stay on track and make the right decisions quickly. Let me repeat this because this is really, really important. Once we know our purpose, everything becomes simpler because every course of action is either taking us closer to that purpose or further away from it. When we know where we are going, it's much easier to stay on track 
and make the right decisions quickly. It's very unfortunate that most people don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They're simply going through the motions, following a set of someone else's rules. Now, Clay Christensen, a professor at Harvard said, we pick our jobs for the wrong reasons and then we settle for them. We begin to accept that it's not realistic to do something we truly love for a living. Too many of us who start down the path to compromise will never make it back. Considering the fact that you'll spend more of your waking hours at your job than in any other part of your life, it's a compromise that will always eat away at you. Let me repeat that because that was just so crucial to me. We pick our jobs for the wrong reasons and then we settle for them. We begin to accept that it's not realistic to do something we truly love for a living. Too many of us who start down the path to compromise will never make it back. Considering the fact that you'll spend more of your waking hours at your job than in any other part of your life, it's a compromise that will always eat away at you. Now, Yale psychologist Amy Wozniewski has spent many years studying how what we believe about our work affects our performance in that work. Amy found that everyone operates from one of three work orientations or mindsets about work. Everyone views their work as either a job, a career, or a calling. Now, those who view their work as a job tend to be motivated by the money alone. Those with a career may enjoy the money, but they work for personal fulfillment and self-actualization. And finally, those who consider their work a calling would do it whether they were paid or not. When someone is passionate about something, the work becomes a source of energy and they are motivated to do more work because the more work, the more energy they have. This is why identifying purpose and motivation is so important because it can help us to transform a job into a career or a calling. What Amy found that surprised some people was that the three work orientations were evident within every profession she studied from surgeons with a job to janitors with a calling. In every case, those who considered their work a career or calling worked harder and longer and were more productive, healthier, and happier than those with a job. This is why it's so important for us to do work that we are passionate about and that we feel called to do. Let's now take a look at a few reasons why we should follow our passions. Number one, life is too short. Many of us want to believe that we'll be alive forever, but in fact, life is short. We are here one moment and gone the next. We need to take advantage of every single moment. Number two, it gives you a sense of purpose. Following your purpose helps to instill something bigger and greater than just yourself. It allows you to contribute value to the world and will help you fulfill something far greater than you could ever imagine. Number three, you'll be happier. When you follow your passion in life, you're happier overall and you will feel more uplifted and have a far greater peace of mind. You won't feel weighed down by the common stressors that come along with not doing what you love. Number four, it won't feel like work to you. When you do what you love, you won't dread having to do another nine to five life-sucking job. You wake up with energy and enthusiasm to start another day, pursuing something that you really want to do instead of dreading doing the things that you have to do. Number five, you add more value to the world. 
Because you're passionate about what you're doing, you threw yourself into it entirely and end up delivering far more to others than is expected of you. Number six, your dreams will manifest into reality. When you're doing what you love, you're already realizing a dream, but it also helps you to not lose focus and drive over time. Number seven, you naturally become more persistent. It's easy to give up when we're pursuing goals that aren't meaningful to us, but when we're working towards something that we're passionate about, it's natural for us to be more persistent. We don't wake up thinking about giving up. We wake up thinking about how can we push forward and naturally develop persistence in the process. Number eight, it will help to build character. It takes true strengths to go after what you truly love to do and you'll reach a new understandings about life, love, and the people that surround you which help to develop your character. Number nine, you'll ignore the haters. It's easy to allow negative people to get you down, especially when pursuing your dreams. People will tell you how to think and that you need to be realistic. Many of the most famous failures in life had to endure this very same thing. When you love what you do, you learn to ignore the haters and push past the negativity. Now that we understand why we need to uncover our passion, let's now look at a few questions that we can ask ourselves to help find what we are passionate about and what we have a calling to do. Now I'm going to go through these questions quickly, but I want you to go back and re-listen to this program and write the questions down and take at least an hour or two to answer them. Allow your mind to run wild. These questions will only be useful if you honestly take the time to answer them and you allow them to provide you with the answers that you are seeking. Number one, what makes you happiest in life? What excites you? Number two, what do you do that makes you feel invincible? Number three, what do people thank you for? Number four, what are you ridiculously good at? What are your precious gifts? Number five, who do you look up to? Who are your mentors and who inspires you and why? Number six, when was the last time you massively over-delivered on something? What was it and why did you work so hard? Number seven, when was the last time that you were in the zone and totally lost track of time? What were you doing? Number eight, imagine you won $150 million in the lottery. It's now six months later. How will you spend tomorrow? Number nine, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Number 10, if you could have or do anything, what would it be? Number 11, what topics do you find yourself continually arguing or defending with others? What beliefs does your stance represent? Number 12, what makes you most angry about the state of the world? With unlimited resources, how could you fix it? Number 13, what do you love helping people with? How do you commonly help others? Number 14, what's your favorite section in the bookstore? What's the first magazine you'd pick up at the grocery store? Number 15, when was the last time you couldn't sleep because you were so excited about what you had to work on? What was it? Number 16, 
out of all your current work roles, what would you gladly do for free? Number 17, if you were able to be a member of the audience at your own funeral in 100 years from now, right? What would you want to hear people say? Number 18, what do you want to be remembered for? What dent do you want to have put in the world? Number 19, what do your friends always tell you you'd be good at that you should do for a living? If you don't remember, go and ask five of them. Number 20, what are you naturally curious about? Number 21, if you had a free hour to surf the internet, what would you explore? Number 22, think back to when you were five or 10 years old. What did you want to be when you grew up? Anything goes. What skills and metaphors do these represent? For example, a pilot might be a symbol for freedom. Number 23, if you could write a book to help the world that is guaranteed to be a bestseller, what would the title be? What would that book be about? Number 24, what careers do you find yourself dreaming of? What jobs do others have that you wish were yours? And number 25, what three to five dream jobs or businesses can you imagine that would firmly embody your core beliefs about the world? The sky's the limit. And a bonus question, number 26, what revolution do you want to lead? Now, our purpose will almost always have something to do with strengths we already possess. So take time to consider what those are or might be by answering the previous questions. We have to remember that most highly successful people aren't well-rounded. They have developed a small number of unique talents that they leverage to maximum effect. They're not a jack of all trades, okay? These talents are almost always something that they yearn to do learn to do easily and love to do or that bring fulfillment and they do with ease because most people use their talents effortlessly they're often not aware of them so they wrongly assume that it's nothing special not difficult or that everyone can do it actually it is often perceived as special and difficult by everyone other than the person who has the talent once we discover our purpose our life will start to make sense now, before Steve Jobs passed away, he said, the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking, don't settle. All right, all right, well, that's all that we have for today's show. Now, I know you guys got something great from that, all right? And I know you guys probably need to go back and re-listen to some of those questions. Re-listen to this show over and over again. Trust me, if you follow what it is that I talked about in this show, you will learn some techniques to really help you pursue your passion and live your purpose, all right? Don't take those questions I ask for granted. Trust me. Trust me, they'll answer a lot about yourself, probably a lot of things that you didn't even realize about yourself, all right? If you want to go back and re-listen, you can go to my website, www.powerhh.com. That's www.powerhh.com, all right? Now, share this with three friends. I know you got three friends that are probably roaming aimlessly. We want our friends to pursue their passions as well. So make sure you share this with them. Tell them about the website. 
so they can go on and listen to it or tell them about the station that you're listening to it on so they can listen with you, all right? And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, if you follow your bliss, you put yourself on a kind of track that has been there all the while waiting for you. And the life that you ought to be living is the one you are living wherever you are. If you are following your bliss, you are enjoying that refreshment, that life within you all the time. Not some of the time, but all the time. And that's Joseph Campbell. Thank you guys much. And until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Starr. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour. And join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week.
Oh, 